Welcome everyone to the Green Section podcast series. We're excited to uh, dive into a cool topic today. Uh, we've got two guests. Shannon Roulard, who is a Senior Director of Championships, will be our first guest, and, and we're going to cover really all things U.S. Women's Open uh, that's headed to the Olympic Club, uh, which is set to host the 76th U.S. Women's Open, June 3rd through 6th. And the cool part, the Olympic Club has hosted 10 USGA championships, including five U.S. Opens. So uh, a storied, storied golf course, uh, lots of history. I'm really excited to uh, check out the, the U.S. Women's Open and, you know, start with talking with uh, Shannon Roulard, who uh, really is, is sort of oversees all things inside the ropes with the u.s women's open so shannon uh welcome to the show thanks for uh thanks for taking the time out i know you're at olympic club right now so um tell us how, how are everything how's everything looking so far so far so good adam it's just been an incredible journey at the olympic club coming on site visits you know dating back to early 2019 end of 2018 so um, as, as many of your listeners probably know, um, it's not a matter of one site visit and, uh, you, you figure out the, t- the T's that you're going to use in the whole locations. This is a process of multiple site visits through, you know, two to four years, uh, in advance of planning to determine, you know, look at the agronomy of the course at that time to figure out our mowing lines, our mowing heights, to figure out the tees, to, to figure out, um, you know, our anticipated green speeds, et cetera. Um, and the green section is such an important part of that process for us. I couldn't imagine running um, a championship without um, our green section and all of you that um, help us out with our championships to um, get us to the best place possible heading into all of our championships. That's kind words, Shannon. We, we uh, the agronomists love being part of the championships. So, um, you know, g- glad to help out in any way, any way possible, as you well know. But yeah, we, we, we really enjoy it. It's a good opportunity for us to travel but actually stay at a golf course as opposed to going from one golf course to another Um, in addition to running all things sort of inside the ropes for the women's open what other championships do you oversee so i also uh oversee the conduct of our u.s senior women's open championship that started back in 2018 Uh, And I have previously uh, overseen the conduct of the U.S. Women's Amateur and the Curtis Cup match. Uh, I don't directly oversee those those two amateur competitions at this point in time, but I do oversee all of our women's amateur championships in general. So with U.S. Women's Open set up, I mean, that just set up in general for a a U.S. Open, I'm, I'm glad to be on the agronomy side of, of things, not making some of those decisions related to team markers and, and whole locations. Certainly happy to provide input, but um, yeah, that's that's some high pressure stuff to do set up for the U.S. Women's Open. You take it in stride, though. Obviously, we, we have the you know we're setting up a golf course for the best female players, amateurs, and professionals in the world at this time, and that's a really really high skill level, talent level. These women are good, really good. If you're watching them on TV, 
um, the, the shots that they're able to pull off is tremendous and extremely exciting. So we need to make sure that we're challenging their game. Um, the USGA is known for a, a very tough test of golf, a fair test of golf. And it's important that each and every year that we provide that test. Players come to expect that tough test. It's what makes the winning a USGA championship so special. Is the setup philosophy different at a U.S. Open compared to a U.S. Women's Open, or are they fairly the same? I would say they're they're fairly the same. Um, it's just relative to each demographic. I mean, let's face it, there are some differences in their game. The women, generally speaking, don't hit the ball quite as high as the men on the PGA Tour. Uh, the women also uh, don't hit the ball as far as the men do on the PGA Tour. Uh, so we need to take those things into consideration. Um, and so our our mowing heights, the agronomy, the firmness uh, of the greens that we have at a women's open for a US versus a U.S. open differ, may differ slightly. Um, but it's all relative to the demographic and what they're able to handle. So when you when you go to a place like Olympic, that 10 USGA championships, five US Opens, how, how much do you look at sort of the past US Open setup notes, for instance, when you're, you know, sort of planning for, for setup over the past few years? Yeah, you know, one of the first things I did was to reach out to Jeff Hall and to ask for the most up-to-date uh, course prep memo, the last one that was written, plus the what we call the post-mortem. You know, Jeff and Mike Davis, after um, each U.S. Open, also take notes and, and record how the course played, how each hole played. Um, so I've had access to that and have studied that to help inform some of, you know, our thinking and things that we need to watch out for. In addition, uh, I've also consulted with me, not personally, but with Webb Simpson, Jason Gore, who oversees our player relations, reached out and sat down with Webb Simpson at uh, a recent PGA Tour event and asked him to go through his championship Sunday when he won back in 2012. Webb was extremely gracious to uh, share that information with Jason, who in turn shared it with me. That was another data point that helped inform our thinking. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't include Kay Cockrell in this conversation. Kay Cockrell, who is a longtime commentator on Golf Channel, past two-time women's amateur champion, is a member here at Olympic Club. So she knows this course really well. I had an opportunity to play around a round of golf with her here on the lake course about three weeks ago during preview day. And she's also... Uh, taken it upon herself to play a number of advanced practice rounds with the players. So her and I have had a, a fair bit of, of dialogue on how the course is playing, how the players are playing. I have sought her feedback on clubs they have into greens, you know, what they're hitting off the tee. Uh, I've also consulted Marissa Marr, who's head of the Green Committee here at Olympic Club. She's played in a number of USGA championships, as well as was a collegiate player at Stanford. So again, another well-regarded player who um, has helped us inform some of our thinking around around setup for the championship. That's really neat to be able to have access to, to that many minds that, that have experienced both directly at Olympic Club playing there, you know, on a regular basis and then tapping into to Webb Simpson. I'm curious, do, do you know kind of like like what 
irons Webb Simpson was hitting into approach shots and then is the goal to try to have the the players of the women's open kind of have those same types of clubs into greens yeah you know I would say on a number of holes it will be similar club selection um, but let's face it, you know, there's 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 a shorter end of the spectrum and a longer end of the spectrum. So we're looking at a range of, you know, two to three clubs into these greens. And we've certainly taken a hard look at, at what the that club selection is for the men versus the women. But we know that the the uh, women hit it about 80 percent of what the men do. So we need to keep that in mind as well. What's the most challenging part of setup for you? You know, as I go to each new site year in and year out, um, when I'm beginning that process and those those initial site visits, you know, about three years in advance or so, um, I would say the toughest thing year over year is matching the skill level for the demographic I'm setting up for with what the architect intended how the architect intended each specific hole to be played. Um, To be honest, golf courses in general have not been designed with an elite female player in mind. You know, there are times when we ask a golf course um, to add a tee to help ensure that particular Um, features of the golf course are coming into play. You know, we want to identify a champion and showcase um, these players and how good they are, but it's also an opportunity for us to showcase uh, the golf course and have the golf course shine. We want their architecture to come to life as well. You know, I have never been to Olympics, so I'm excited to, to get there. Uh, one of the things that I know it's famous for is its canted fairways, and that that got a lot of attention during the 2012 U.S. Open. So, with with the canted fairways, I'm curious, you know, um, what does the rough sort of program look like? Um, you know, with with balls potentially not not being able to hold the fairways maybe as easily as as if they were flat. I think we've really taken that into consideration with our fairway widths. I will say for the most part, these fairway widths are wider than what they were at the 2012 U.S. Open. And we have decided to do something a little different with, um, uh, you know, our heights of cut from fairway to to primary rough. Unlike at the at the 2012 U.S. Open where we had a, a pass of intermediate rough. Um, we decided to forego the intermediate rough. The fairways were appropriate for the championship and felt like giving these players an intermediate pass was being a little too generous. So what you're going to see, Adam, when when you get here later this week is we're going to go right from fairway height to primary height. And again, remembering that these fairways are a little more generous than they were from the 2012 U.S. Open. And if if anybody watches women's professional golf, these players hit the ball straight. Um, and I think even if Jeff was, was here uh, with me, uh, the men hit it a little more everywhere and the women don't hit it off the map. So... Um, Given that, we wanted to make sure that the players were really going to be penalized if they hit it in the primary rough that will be just off the fairway. You guys are you guys are tough. <clears throat> you know what you know what you're doing, but you guys I that's one thing. Anytime I I 
watch a USGA championship on TV or am fortunate enough to work one, you see the players, they're, they're so good. They, they make it look so easy and it's so inspiring to just go play yourself. And you, you always want to go play that course, but not when I see the rough. That that's usually my that's usually my my indicator to say no. You're going to hit it in that rough a lot more than these players are, and you know it's great to great to be able to be out there. But yeah, that, that's too too much test for me. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they how they navigate through that rough. What do you think the most dramatic hole will be at Olympic during the Women's Open? I think the you know, there, there's so many incredible holes out here on the lake course. Obviously, the seventh hole is an exciting hole. It's one of their short par fours that I think will, will produce a lot of drama, as well as the 18th hole, the famous 18th hole, which is the shortest par four on course that has never been uh, short of drama and excitement uh, around that 18th hole. You know, there's also what I'm calling a big girl par five. I mean, the the 16th hole is going to be 563 yards, which is the longest par five um, since my time, you know, overseeing the Women's Open. So there's going to be a lot of um, dramatic and exciting golf being played throughout the week. Is there going to be anything, I mean, I don't know if we have any uh, listeners that will actually be in the field, um, so maybe you can reveal, uh, you know, a couple of things that you may have up your sleeves, but anything fun planned, any drivable par fours, for instance, that, that, that you care to share, or we have to, do we have to just wait and watch? Yeah, you can wait and watch, but there, there, uh, we have a few things, uh, on tap if the weather conditions, uh, are such and, and allow us the opportunity to, uh, create some greater excitement on a few holes. Awesome. I, I had to ask. I, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, I wouldn't be be a good host if I didn't at least try. Here's another another maybe tougher question for you, but I, I know what I've heard during my 13 years uh, being at the USGA as an agronomist. But is even part of the goal? Yeah, the goal is to identify a champion on Sunday, June 6th. Um, and again, contrary to what many people believe or say, because I get the question quite a bit is what do you think the winning score is going to be? To be honest, it really doesn't cross my mind when I'm on site visits year over a year working on and refining course setup. We take each individual hole and we are trying to develop a game plan for each hole accordingly to uh, provide the best possible test of golf um, and 18 of them put together. Uh, whatever that ends up being is whatever that ends up being. It is a test of shot making, course management, and mental and physical resolve. And those are really the things that I think about the most when I continue to to work on course setup for a USGA championship. So final final question, and then I'll, I'll let you go because I know you've got you know a plenty to do um, just just getting on site at the Olympic Club, but. Where, where can fans really, how can they check out the coverage? You know, what, what kind of things are, are out there for them to, to be able to check this out if they can't be, uh, you know, in San Francisco um, for the event? Yeah, no, thanks for asking that, Adam. There's a lot of opportunities to watch uh, this championship. There is extended coverage of live from the Women's Open, uh, specifically extended coverage for the first time um, on Wednesday June 2nd. Uh, there will be also some additional live from coverage each day of the championship, but Wednesday is really the big day. Um, 
where we will have live from the Women's Open. You can also go to the U.S. Women's Open app as well as usga.org. Coverage will also be on Peacock as well as the Golf Channel and NBC. So be sure to check out your favorite form of uh <laughs> streaming broadcast however you like to consume media um there are a lot of options there and just encourage you to um watch these women play they're extremely impressive they know how to play this this great game and play it really well thanks again for having me on adam absolutely no this was this was great uh we're we're all excited to check out the the coverage i'm i'm like i said i'm fortunate enough to be able to work this one um so i get to be on on site working uh you know closely with you so we're excited about that um definitely gonna wish you all the best uh, of luck just fingers crossed for good weather and you know everything goes sort of as smooth as as possible so really excited thanks for for jumping on shannon all right our second guest for this show is troy flanagan director of golf maintenance at olympic club we're really excited for him to take the time out and uh, talk to us uh, before the championship starts. So how long have you been at the Olympic Club? How many of those events have, have you been uh, the director of golf maintenance for? I've been here since 2014, so seven years. Uh, I've hosted the USGA, the inaugural four-ball championship in 2015. So uh, that's the only one that I've worked Obviously, lots and lots of eyeballs are going to be on uh, the course for uh, the Women's Open, the 76th Women's Open. So, uh, like I said, we're excited to have you on. A um, couple questions, you know, to start with. Um, you know, I saw on your Twitter feed, your your bio, it says you've got 10,000 members at the Olympic Club. Yeah, not to uh, go above and beyond, but we're up to 11 now. It's the largest athletic club in the country. Uh, so it's a very busy place. It's it, The neat thing about the Olympic Club that most people don't know is, yes, golf is big, but it's it's just one of the many, many sports the club has. Uh, huge and athletic, uh, athletic sports. We have 20-some different sports that we send throughout the country and the world to compete at a really high level. So Anything from soccer to handball to rough water swimming, uh, basketball is huge here. Uh, It's it's across the whole gamut. Within sort of that ten thousand, any estimate as to sort of how many are golf members or you know that kind of thing? Yeah, so we have a thousand golf members. So once you become a, it's like being at an athletic club. So everybody's an individual member. There's no family memberships. Uh, You get in uh, on your own merits. Uh, You have to have different people vouch for you. I think it's five. And then once you're in, you can put your name on the wait list for golf. And it's about a seven to 10 year wait to get down to the golf. Uh, and once you're a golf member, once you're one of the thousand, you get the same privileges like any other club. Come on, play when you want, you don't pay. But the other 10,000 have access to the golf course. So they can come out and play at certain times. They have to pay a fee. Uh, so it's, it's a very busy, busy facility. How many holes do you have? I know you've got the lake course and is it the, the cliffs course? The lake and the ocean are the lake two the championship. Ocean. Yeah, and then the Cliffs course is the nine-hole par three course. That's the that's the eye candy one. That's two hundred feet above the cliffs, out by the ocean. Uh, just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, very difficult, but a gorgeous par three golf course, nine hole. Within really the whole the whole property of of everything that you maintain, what's really the most challenging part of of maintaining that many holes and you know keeping up with that? 
the climate here is the most challenging. It's not the way most people, most superintendents would ever think. Um, we're, we are very weather challenged. We, we will be in the 50s almost every day in the middle of the summer for three months. We'll hardly see the sun. It'll be drippy, wet fog. Uh, that's very challenging. We, we are deprived of sun, and sometimes that makes it difficult. The, the turf gets kind of wimpy, if you will. Uh, the winters are rainy season, so spring and fall are the best times of year. Get the most sun uh, and the best weather. So that's really water management during the middle of summer where you don't water and it's actually wetter the next day. It's, it's crazy. You know, the, the water just drips from the trees, just for example. So is that the sort of the marine layer type type scenario? Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing. It's right in this area. Uh, you go seven miles south to Cal Club, and the weather is completely different. It's, it's warmer. It's uh, windier, sunnier. Not every day, but quite often. And that's during the summer, I mean. Okay. So I, I had heard that about parts of San Francisco for, for sure that were, that were challenging. And it even impacted sort of what grasses you would use on, on the course for some that are maybe a little bit more, uh, going to perform a little bit better under shade. So I'm curious, what, what grasses do you have? I mean, I'll start with greens and then sort of move, move outward from there. Yeah, so our greens on both the lake and the ocean are 007 Tai bent grass. Uh, Poa intrusion, uh, we've been fighting it. Uh, the lake greens are were built in 2009, so a little over 10 years. Uh, the ocean course greens are from 2012 after the U.S. Open. They redid them. So that's uh, all USGA greens. The fairways are primarily Poa uh, with a little bit of ryegrass from divots or if we ever have to intercede. Uh really like our POA fairways out here. I mean, the climate is absolutely perfect for it. And then uh, we converted all the roughs to ryegrass in 2017 on the lake. 2016 on the lake and 17 in the ocean, and that's that's been phenomenal. That's That's been game changer for us. With bentgrass greens and that that marine layer, I mean, we, we see this a fair amount in the northeast where I visit golf courses. Um, I've, I've certainly noticed it in parts of the Midwest as well. It just doesn't perform all that well under shady conditions, POA tends to outcompete it. So is that, you think that's a big part of sort of battling that POA intrusion on, on the greens is just that marine layer, that, that overcast, lack of sun? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a huge test. I mean, it's tough enough just during the winter when POA's at strongest, but in the middle of summer when you have three months of, of you know, that should be the bent grass's wheelhouse and, and, and POA's thriving. So, uh, we do everything that we can to suppress it, uh, to, to eliminate it is next to impossible, but just trying to really make those areas just only allow them to slowly progress, not not explode. So it's, it's a tough challenge. I mean, you said you do everything to try to sort of fight that fight. You know, is that a combination of growth regulators and hand picking? Is there, what else is there that, that you guys are doing? Yeah, unfortunately I got here after they were too far to the point where we couldn't hand pick anymore. So... Uh, mainly growth regulators. Uh, Pat Finland, uh, my predecessor, was doing a lot of work with POA Cure when it was uh, under the EOP. That was a help. It was helping us uh, suppress it quite a bit. Um, so we've done a lot more of that on the lake over the years. We haven't been able to the last couple of years, but uh, now that they're trying to get it still into California. It's a very promising product. It's, yeah, it's it's sometimes you just got to be patient with it. So we'll we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, you know, we're two weeks out when we're recording this. Um, 
this podcast. So I'm curious, give me sort of a rundown as to, you know, where the course is at right now and, and what, you know, what you're most excited about, you know, once championship week gets here. The, the course right now, we, we could host it. Uh, we, we'd love to have the women out right now and let's do this. Uh, the greens have a little bit more to go on as far as speed. Well, we just did our final event, top dress, wedding agent, I mean, anything and everything, granular apps to it uh, on Monday of this last week. So next week's advance week. Uh, we were going to do it in advance week, but our weather's been so crummy lately, 50-some uh, degrees, cold, drippy. So we just decided to move up the, the final water one week ahead. So I have a feeling now all of a sudden it's been sunny and windy. So I think we're going to be uh, a lot of hose work for the championship. But the fairways are, are tight. They're really nice right now, and the rough is uh, it's well fertilized, let's just say that. Okay, look look forward to look forward to seeing it. You know, I I don't know how many other championships you've you've been to. I I know you were at um in Houston last year for the in December for the Women's Open. What are you anticipating are sort of going to be the you know the, the the biggest last minute decisions you know when it comes to, to comes to course prep? It's all going to be about the rough. I, I'm I'm certain of it. You know, I've I've been told that's probably going to be the case. Um, yeah, I mean, the greens, she wants them. Shannon wants them between 12 and 12 and a half when she gets here on Sunday. Um, the, the fairways are what they are. Uh, it's all about the rough. The, we are not going to have an intermediate cut, so it's going to go right from uh, fairways are at 400. Uh, we'd love to go a little lower, but with how firm they're going to be and the slope of our fairways, you know, we don't want good shots to be all rolling off the fairway. So fairways are at 400 and then the rough is going to go right to three and a quarter so no intermediate cut right to three and a quarter and that's for nine feet wide uh, the width of our John Deere rough mower so once you get outside of that nine feet it's into four and a quarter inch and that ryegrass is healthy right now so the balls it's tough to get a club through there there's a graduated rough but it's only an inch it's it's almost even hard to see it Adam you get out there and the difference between three and a quarter and four quarter it doesn't jump right out at you. you. You can see it, but you have to look pretty hard. Gotcha. So when you say there's no intermediate, is there is there a bevel cut? Is that what you're describing? We're, we're going to put a bevel cut in, but we haven't done that yet because it's pretty easy. Um, so we're just going to go out with a 21-inch walk mower, put the wheels on one side down low and the ones on the other side high, and just walk around the whole perimeter. Now there is an intermediate cut around the green. There's a 21-inch wide push mower around the green at an inch and a inch and a half so th- there is up there so question for you then is there normally an intermediate rough for regular play no because we mow the rough at an inch and a half for our members so there's there's just no use to put an intermediate cut in um, they did have an intermediate cut for the open in 12 so that was one thing that shannon eliminated because the women are so so straight with their shots and the fairways are pretty generous olympic because of the slopes of the fairways uh shannon just really feels to put a premium on hitting the fairway so sort of jumping back to to the greens you mentioned you did sort of your last you know vent and top dress and and some last minute sort of tlc sort of back up the past nine months or so uh, obviously firm and fast is is what the u.s opens all about um what have you done you know to try to get get the greens healthy but also you know firm so they're going to be you know in, in peak condition for the event we did dry jacked in march uh so that's the last major 
nothing that we to the, did to the greens. It was kind of one of those where I felt good about it, and then, of course, I worried about it about three weeks after. Was it the right decision? But we usually have our member guests two weeks ahead of time, actually this week, each year, and they're always great. So we decided let's stay with that same process. Uh, the weather's been really cold and damp over the last really two months. So that's that's what's worried me, Adam, is can we get these things to where they need to need to be? We were having a tough time with that top top layer where the ball's going to hit, trying to dry it out. Uh, but everything just really came into its own actually last weekend. It's been a weird year, though. As we're all going to hear many a times, the drought is back in California. So we received a quarter of our rainfall this year. So it's been a double-edged sword. It's been great because we can get out there and do a lot of work this winter that we usually we wouldn't be able to. Uh, so that's that's been fantastic, but we've had to turn on the irrigation system much earlier than usual. I mean, we were watering in February pretty hot and heavy already, and usually we can push it till April. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year to see. I mean, I know there's, there's some areas already that are uh, having water restrictions, and it just... It, it it's it puts things in perspective from a, a guy from the northeast you know we get 40 to 50 inches of rain in a given year we'll, we'll have stretches you know two three four weeks sometimes without much rain but we know it's coming at some point um you're gonna go you know five six months probably without anything super significant right yeah well and that's always the case in california or at, at least in the bay area let me rephrase that uh we go from april through september without a drop of rain and then our rainy season, it all comes in the winter. We hope to get around 22, 25 inches, and we were at, I think, 6 inches this year. Um, and so that's a that's a concern. But a lot of our rain that hits us goes out to the ocean. The, the really important thing is the snowpack in the Sierras up in Tahoe. And then that snow melt will fill up the reservoirs of California. Uh, and, of course, their snowfall was pretty pretty low this year. I think the drought that we had in you know, sort of starting in 2013-ish, 2013-14, no question that really got got people's attention, and I think most of the efficiencies are probably there. You know, how much how much more can we can we go with with uh, not not this much more rainfall? Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, I know the last time they probably waited a little too late to put in the restrictions this year. It's been I think two years now of light rainfall. Uh, last year wasn't nearly as bad as this year, and they're already just jumped right in, starting to starting to pull back on water, especially on golf courses up here. Uh, we don't have the problem. We use effluent water, so uh, we're, we're completely fine. Yeah, well, that's nice Nice to have. It's one question I, I, I had for you was with the effluent water, uh, you know, does you guys talk, talk me through sort of the, the process of where it's coming from, you know, what you're – your in, in, inflow is i know some courses in at least parts of the midwest or the northeast that have tried to go to effluent you know they were going to have a steady stream uh the whole year of you're going to continue to get this effluent water even if your golf course doesn't need to use it so kind of talk me through the effluent at, at the olympic club yeah we're pretty fortunate right across the street is water treatment plant Early 2000s, they set up with all four golf courses around here, uh, Lake Merced, San Francisco Club, and Harding Park and ourself, uh, a, a situation where the water at the time was being completely pumped out to the ocean and uh, 24-7. So entered into agreement that we would take at least 70% of our water from would be effluent. So anything that we don't use still gets pumped out to the ocean. So 
we, we are not mandated to use extra water, thankfully. Uh, so that's not a problem. The water is water's pretty good for effluent water because our our tap water is, is really good here. Uh, it's actually sometimes considered uh, a stripping water because there's hardly any nutrients in it. So by the time we get to effluent water, it's, it's not too bad. I mean, don't get me wrong, the nitrates are there and the salts are there, but not nearly as bad as when I was in Vegas, what we had to deal with down there. Getting back into sort of the, the specifics with the championship, and you talked about the weather, which is you know the that's just the most uncontrollable variable yet one of the more frustrating variables out there um i saw another little nugget on twitter you've got your staff pretty well prepared for those 50 degree days um i saw they had like everybody had these cool olympic club hoodies on that i thought was really neat so who who came up with that idea actually it was our our golf pro uh, was selling those in the golf shop and the uh, olympic club the the person, uh, Erica Karate, she's in charge of the uh, championship on our side. She really wanted to uh, talk to Will about getting getting our entire crew set up with those, uh, a little bit of advertisement, if you will. I mean, we're advertising to our own members, but kind of hyping everything. And uh, so, of course, we gra- gladly uh, took those hoodies. And then it came time for the uh, team photo. And we're like, okay, what does everybody have that's the same? And it was, that, that made the most sense. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a neat picture. Uh, you guys have got something really cool uh, going on, so I just wanted to, you know, to talk to me a little bit about what what you're doing for the volunteers. Yeah, uh, so we were asked to have about 90 total people. So we have 48 on staff, including myself, and so the rest were going to be volunteers. And it was a few years ago. I just had the idea that it's it's the Women's Open at San Francisco. Let's, let's have as many female volunteers as we could in the turf industry. And Bayridge was doing their women in golf, uh, I'll call it a symposium, and that helped kind of key in the idea of, well, let's do the same kind of thing, but let's make it part of a, a volunteer uh, program. So we work on the golf courses and then uh, uh, do, do whatever different education items that we can throughout the day. Uh, it doesn't have to be a whole lot, and then uh, and then work again in the afternoon. So I, I approached Syngenta and started talking to them, and this is before COVID hit. And uh, a lady or a woman by the name of uh, Kimberly Gard, I've known Kimberly for a long time. She's a field one of the two field reps in Southern California, and uh, she loved the idea. And uh, and then we actually partnered with Rainbird. Uh, to jump on that as well so it's been pretty awesome they paid for all the women to fly out here uh, to San Francisco Uh, we're obviously paying for everything here and uh, then the education portion are just many different different layers to that Uh, that's still being worked on really Kimberly's taking care of all those uh, luckily for me so it's it's pretty cool it's it's become this this I mean I'm hearing about that just as much as anything else right now kudos to you guys for taking the initiative i think it's really neat um that's going to be an awesome for any volunteer to work a women's open it's special it's awesome networking opportunity um you know to and to get get that group together it's going to be awesome so really kudos to you guys for coming up with the idea to to do that so it's going to be a special week with them thank you very much i'm, I'm really excited that the 
the women's group, I, I call it the group because they're, I think they have their own Facebook chat and uh, there's a lot of excitement. Uh, I, I just think it's awesome because we have everybody from retired superintendents, uh, athletic field, um, supervisors, people in women in academia, uh, obviously assistants and vendors coming and even one uh, one woman that is just about to get into college that really wants to get into research and she's just pumped so it's exciting I mean the networking that that will be going on is is, is going to be awesome and uh, uh, you know just having those ties you know somebody to talk to about maybe the trials and tribulations that they've gone through I, I think are going to be huge yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a special week for for everyone. So really excited uh, to get there, uh, Troy. We appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it's gonna be such an awesome week. Prime time U.S. Women's Open June third through sixth. So we're we're really excited. So we're gonna you know keep our fingers crossed that everything goes as smoothly as possible, um, and that you know the starts to warm up for you a little bit there, so you don't have to keep worrying about those uh, that marine layer and kind of the the cooler nights so we're excited for you yeah we're excited to have you out adam and uh can't wait to get this thing going thanks again for taking the time out we really appreciate it that's all for this episode thanks for listening be sure to subscribe to our podcast on apple podcasts the u.s women's open ready for some fantastic golf uh starts june 3rd So going to be some really great opportunity to check out some awesome golf at an awesome venue.